0: Screw it, screw it. We're just just going to talk talk about about Spider Man. (laughs) Welcome to Screw It. We're just going to talk about Spider Man. Uh, This is your host, Kevin Hines, and your other host, Will Hines. I'm in Los Angeles. And I'm in New York, and we are talking through the internet to each other about Spider Man comics. (laughs) What we do with this podcast is we go over the original 41 Spider-Man comics issues that were done by the original creative team of Stan Lee and Steve Ditko back in the early 60s. These comics, uh, we've read them far too many times and uh, we talk about them far too often and so now we are recording that conversation for everybody uh, who wants to hear it. You're like, I want to hear two nerds in their middle age talk about comic books they read when they were children. Yeah, this is the podcast for you, and uh, we've discovered uh, after we started this that other people were doing the same thing. Yeah, so let's 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 start off with like um, some podcast and Spidey news. So like, um, there's. Just like with any popular subject, there's lots of podcasts about it. But in particular, there's one podcast that started almost the same time we did and is also going through the amazing Spider-Man issues. And it's called Swinging Through Spider-Man. And it's these two guys from northern England. I forget exactly where because I'm an American and I don't know geography. Yeah. Part of that island. Part of that island somewhere in the north, I think. That island slash country. Island slash country slash former empire of the world. Um and they're going through I think they're gonna do every issue of Amazing Spider Man, all seven hundred issues. Yeah, or so they say. I feel, that's crazy. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. Uh they're really funny podcasts. They one of, they've never read these issues before. One of them seems to not even have even read it even before they do the episode. Yeah. Uh, it feels like one of them is reading it to the other one. <laughs> it's really fun. And we yeah. we and, if, and- if you're a real Spider Man head, check check both of them out. So I think they swinging started... almost the exact same time as us. maybe a little before a week before or the same week, like really close, but uh, they're doing they were... two issues a week. So they're going to, they're going to, they're going to pass us fast. They're way, they're going to be way ahead of us. Uh, they already are ahead of us and That's appropriate. Uh, that's appropriate. They're younger. They got more energy. Yeah. We're older. So it makes sense that we do a more moderate pace, but like, instead of just sort of being mad that two other people are doing their idea, they've been there. I think they're listening to our podcast, which is they're checking nice. it out. They're checking it out. Yeah. Um, which is really nice of them, and uh, there's other podcasts too, and I forget the names of them. Yeah, but there's there's much Spidey podcast out there. There's a bunch. Um, there's a bu- uh, uh and uh, um, a but I want to address over these issues. Uh, so I don't know what makes ours different and better, other than our charm. Will well, we have our own particular charm. Um, we're brothers. So yeah. theoretically this should be personal. I don't think it has been yet, but it could <laughs> be, it could be at any moment. It could, you, you could, could be start overcome. crying. This could be the podcast where we cry because of Spider. I might cry when we get to issue 31. I might cry. And, um, you know, at any moment, we can't, this could we become, can't wait till 31 for you to cry. You got to start crying now. I'm, I might have to. Mind and, uh, um, cry in this episode. This, this issue is going to be tough. <laughs> um, and, uh, Um, Well, I I don't know if any podcast is – I don't know if we're worried about being better. No, I'm not. Uh, uh, But um, there's a whole family of Spidey podcasts, and we are proud to be a part of it. Uh, Other podcast news is we joined a network um, called – I I can't remember if we said this in a previous episode or not. I feel like maybe we did. We have not said it, but the header has been on the podcast since episode two yeah so we joined a network called what's a creative and they're uh they're headquartered here in Los Angeles, and I love these guys I'm friends with them um, they have a bunch of cool podcasts already uh there's some there's one called Lizard People, which is about conspiracy theories and I've been a guest on that podcast there's one uh, my, can you hear my cat meowing I could nice that means everybody can um <laughs> uh mouth feelings is another what's a creative podcast with Ty burrell and um other friends of mine, uh, Ty Burrell from modern family. And it's a really, that's a really funny one where they talk about foods and drinks they like. And, um, yeah. So it's very, uh, awesome that they want to, uh, they asked us to join their network. Yeah. We like promoted it on Facebook, the first episode. And, um, Ryan, the one of the um, owners of uh, what's a creative, like, messaged me like five minutes later. He's like, "Join our network." I'm like, "Well, all right." <laughs> so yeah, we're, ex- we're excited to be and part we'll be of that. Recording these a little bit ahead, so this is why we're only mentioning it now. But we've been a part of it for a while, so you've already seen yeah, the changes it's... that what's a creative has brought to us. Yes, uh, one of them is segments. They have suggested that we do segments. So let's. Um, so we, and we've already done one spidey and podcast news that's our first segment now we're going to move yeah this was seamlessly. a segment I know. you oh, might yeah. not have you're, noticed this you're right in the middle of a what's a creative recommended segment people oof so now we're going to go into our second segment what's going on in the marvel universe at the time of this issue so we're doing amazing spider-man number five right. said. so this has a cover date of october 1963 mm-hmm. uh and last month If you remember, we talked about how that was the month where both the Avengers and X-Men debuted. Yeah, Uh, So that was a big month for Marvel News. This month, less so. uh, Both Avengers and X-Men did not come out this month. They're taking a month off. Maybe they're bi-monthly. And everything else is trucking along. Fantastic Four, Strange Tales, which is Human Torch's solo book. Journey into Mystery, which is Thor. Tales to Astonish, which I believe is uh, uh, the... um, ant-man comic okay and tales of suspense which is iron man and dr strange it's funny that dr strange is not in strange tales no that's uh, uh oh maybe he's also maybe he's in strange tales he's in one of them um, it's hard to keep track for a while the marvel titles didn't really go with the heroes that's right uh, but anyway iron man human torch uh, fantastic four thor and ant-man are all trucking along and next month both x-men avengers come back for their second issue Uh, But the other big news is that Amazing Spider-Man finally starts going monthly at this point. Yeah. Up to this point, it was a bi-monthly comic. It's crazy how small Marvel Comics is at this time. Like, they're going to become this huge media empire, you know. They're going to become, like, such a force. I mean, of course, now in modern times with their movies, they're a huge, huge thing. But, you know, even by the late 60s, they were, like, a huge cultural phenomenon. But they're still growing at this time. They're still, like— They're hesitant to give heroes their own titles. They're hesitant to give superheroes monthly titles. If you include X Men and Avengers, they only have eight monthly books. That's two a week, really, if they came out every week. Which at this time, I don't know how they came out. It was put on newsstands, so sort of a little haphazardly across the month, probably. I mean, stands right days. These comics come out like I would say like ten or twelve a week. Well, Stan's writing all of them uh, using the Marvel method so he doesn't have to, like, write every panel, but he's still overseeing the plots of all of them. And then Kirby is drawing at least two, and Ditko's doing two. And Kirby's doing layouts for, like, the rest. The non ditko ones, Kirby does a lot of quick layouts. It's crazy how small a team they were. Like, yeah, Jack Kirby would like do quick outlines of the th- of a of a comic based on a uh, a one page story pitch from Stan Lee, and then another artist would flesh that out. Meanwhile, uh, and then Jack Kirby, Kirby would would fully draw Fantastic Four and the draw Avengers. The He's also draws yeah. every issue of Thor, I think, for a while. That's crazy. And then Ditko's doing Spider Man, and sometimes Hulk, and. All the Doctor Stranges, it's Hulk nuts. is gone, so he's really just doing Doctor Strange and Spider Man. Then there's they're starting to bring in new guys, right? I think like Don Heck might even be about starting on a. He does Iron Man, Iron right? Man, yeah, whatever. So like, but there's and, not and a lot. There's not a lot. Torch has a bunch of different people that sort of come in and come out, but the only regulars, really, um, the main regulars are Stanley, Jack Kirby, and Steve Ditko, with the inkers and a few other things. Um. Okay, but they're still continuing to grow, so that's what's going on in the Marvel Universe. Good segment, Kevin. Great, great. Segment two. And now we're moving into segment three. This is the main segment. We're going to talk about the issue. We're going to talk about Amazing Spider-Man number five. Kevin, what did you think of this issue? I thought this issue was not that great. Uh Uh-huh. It's a very memorable issue to me. This is Dr. Doom. Um crossover with the main villain of the Fantastic Four. So they're bringing in probably the biggest villain in the Marvel Universe to face off against Spider-Man. Yeah, I think at this point, definitely, there's no villain bigger than Doctor Doom. He faces off mm-hmm. their number one comic of Fantastic Four. He takes on a team of four, and now mm-hmm. he's taking on just Spider-Man. Right. So it's kind of a crossover ep, where they're taking one of the big characters from another comic and putting him in this one yeah and i think yeah, there's still I, some I good agree. stuff in this comic and, and there's some, some still some good drawings and the story isn't all bad but it, it just feels a little especially after dr octopus and the sandman which i thought were such great issues this feels yeah we're like at, a step back a little bit of a step back and uh, also of all the marvel villains dr doom is the one that to me is aged the worst like he's the most insane seeming villain. His name is crazy. His name is Dr. Doom and his civilian name is Victor Von Doom, which is so silly sounding like whenever they try to make a fantastic four movie and those movies have had tons of problems. But one of the main problems is there's a guy who has to call himself Victor Von Doom. (laughs) Yeah. They change his name. I think consistently they have to, it'd be, it'd be like, it'd be like you want your super scary villain to be called like boingy, boingy, boing pants. You'd that's what they change. changed it to in one of the movies, unfortunately. So, that, oh, boingy boing a big pants. Step, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, that's too bad. But um, you know, but I, I also love. I, I have a love hate relationship with Doctor Doom. Like, I think that he has aged the worst. I think his name is silly, but I also love him because he is the cockiest. He is the cockiest, most self important character in all of fiction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow and, uh, and i and i love dr doom dialogue because he's so into himself i mean some of this stuff doesn't come up in this comic but dr doom rules a country he's a he's a dictator yeah he runs an eastern european like a uh, country all by himself and he has a uh he went to high school with uh, reed richards mr fantastic <laughs> yeah or college he went to college college i think yeah uh but then he had an accident where he scarred his face Yeah, and becomes his mortal enemy. Um, So now he wears a completely metal costume, calls himself Dr. Doom, rules this country, and every now and then comes to America to try to kill the Fantastic Four. I think um, a lot of the uh, old 60s and 50s villains in comics world were really vain. Like, didn't Lex Luthor become Superman's enemy because he lost his hair? Yeah, Superboy accidentally caused him to lose his hair when Superboy rescued him one time. And he becomes a, his enemy for the rest of his life. That's right. And then Dr. Doom gets his face scarred by an accident that I think he caused. And but he blames he Reed caused, Richards. He but his ego blames Reed Richards. That's right. Reed tried to tell him. These guys are really concerned Stay. with their looks. These guys are, these are, these are they're very vain villains. I mean, they're good looking guys before the accidents. I lost my hair and I didn't like declare a lifelong enemy with anybody I knew. Yeah, but no one caused it. What if you found guess, out now that one of your best friends made you go bald? I guess you're right. But I don't think I would try to take over the world. You know what I mean? Uh, well, I'm not that ambitious. Know. You don't know how you'd feel. <laughs> you found right, out well, like your high school friend, like accidentally, not accidentally, on purpose, because in your mind it'd be yeah. on purpose, made you drink something that he thought this might make Will go bald. And it worked. You know, I, you're I w- bald. I would. I would be mad. I would be mad yeah. at him. You're right. Okay, so I agree. I think this issue is um, – it's good, but it's, it's a step down from from the super great issues number three and four. I think it's because they're forcing a crossover that doesn't totally fit. But one good yeah, thing about I, if this if I was going to read into it, I would say like both – it seems like Steve Ditko's not that into the idea of Doctor Doom. Yeah. He doesn't draw Doctor Doom as well as Kirby, but that's a, a yeah, high is bar. A- Dr. Doom is a Jack Kirby creation for the Fantastic Four, so Ditko's drawing somebody else's villain, which he does well, but yeah, maybe he's not that into it. And I also wonder if, like, the fact that it's a monthly issue, if, like, Ditko had to, like, ramp up the speed... And maybe wasn't quite uh, wasn't quite in the rhythm. Didn't quite have the pace. Oh, no, that's interesting. I Didn't, th- didn't think about that. Uh, a good thing about this issue is the the sort of sub characters are starting to get more and more fleshed out. Yeah, like we're learning more about Peter's classmates in this issue. Uh, Jay Jonah Jameson's secretary, Betty Brandt, who has been in earlier issues, but now she's really becoming like a big part of the story because she kind of has a crush on Peter. Yeah, this is the first issue where like they pay any attention to Betty Brandt. So that's kind of cool. The world's getting more I think expanded. Last issue might have been her first appearance. Yeah, I think that's right. And then, this, or so, her first appearance with a name, and this is her first appearance where like people have any opinion of her whatsoever. I love it when Peter Parker's classmates get more involved because I love Stanley teenager dialogue because it's crazy. Yeah. Um, this but- issue involves what those teens consider the greatest prank ever. <laughs> so get ready for yeah, that they're, they're super mean um well let's let's get into it here so yeah. w- we start off with j jonah jameson who has bought <laughs> bought a half hour of television <laughs> That's right. just to complain about spider-man yeah <laughs> he rates them so much it's so funny then all of peter's teenage friends are watching uh but now in a sort of stroke of irony Peter Parker's classmates, even though they hate Peter Parker, they love Spider Man. Sorry about that. Hello, I uh, I was coughing. Did you cut that part out. Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm going to leave it in and make it four times as loud. Oh, that's weird. Um, I tried to mute it, and then I had trouble unmuting. Um, you would just so uh, the, uh, I'm going to say this again. Yeah, great. Uh, so uh, a stroke of irony in the comics. Um, Peter Parker's classmates hate Peter Parker, but they love Spider Man. Yeah, in this issue, Peter Parker tries. Uh, to throw them off the the trail that he might be Spider Man, Peter Parker decides to take up the stance that he hates Spider Man. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's sort of like um, um. It's kind of like if Jay Jonah Jameson is Fox News, like the conservative conspiracy theory news source that's being like, yeah. well, I don't know if the president was born in America. Peter Parker is like a Fox News fan. Yeah. Like yeah, good. Okay, well, I'd like to see the birth certificate. Like he's he, all the other high schoolers are liberals, like they should be. They're anti Fox News. But Peter Parker's that one guy who's like he makes some good points. He's a nerd. He's wearing a suit to school every day, uh, and he's on the side of conservative news. He's anti Spider Man. Well, they're at the bowling alley when this issue first starts, and Spider Man is or uh, Peter Parker's not wearing a tie though. He's uh, still dressed up very well. He's sporting a pretty cool vest. Yeah. So. Doctor, we cut to Doctor Doom. Doctor Doom is thinking that maybe if he teams up with Spider Man, he could finally defeat the Fantastic Four. Yeah, Doctor Doom saw the news broadcast about how Spider Man is most likely a villain and bought into it. Doctor so Doom like, oh, was convinced. he's convinced. He's a bad guy. I'll team up with him to beat the accursed Fantastic Four. Yeah. I'm um, a bad guy. He's a bad guy. This is a match made in heaven. Thanks. Let me give you some example of some Dr. Doom dialogue, which I love. Like, while he's thinking about it, this is the thing he says to himself. Ordinary men tremble at the mention of my name. The entire civilized world fears the menace of Dr. Doom. And yet, in one respect, I have been foiled time and time again. I I love it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I love it and I hate it. Like, it's insane, but I also love it. I mean, there's probably a European accent to that because he's from Latveria. I can't do accents. No. I'm not asking you to. Um, I'm asking the listener to put an accent on in their head. Um, Yeah. And also, if you're really sophisticated at sound engineering, if you could download this podcast and filter my voice to be Eastern European and then uh, give it back to me, I'd appreciate it. Um, Meanwhile, Peter Parker is at home. In a very high-ceilinged bedroom. Yeah, his his bedroom's dimensions change as necessary. Um, his Forest Hills bedroom in his... I, I assume Aunt May doesn't have a lot of money, but she bought a house with pre-war high ceilings where he can, like, leap around on the walls. He's practicing some insane web thing where he's making giant snowshoes out of his web or something like that. Or yeah. maybe it's a big lacrosse basket. I'm not quite sure what he's doing, but if you think about the past issues, he's had to make parachutes and slingshots on the fly. It's not a bad idea to practice. Um, Dr. Doom has created a device to communicate with Spider-Man telepathically using his like spider abilities. Yeah. Now this is similar to what the chameleon did, but Peter Parker doesn't seem to remember that happened. Cause he's like, no one's ever done this before, but it was just four issues ago. Yeah. I mean, I mean, It's happened now twice in a very short span of time. Uh, He should almost expect it to happen. I love uh, in this Spider-Man world, people who have science ability can make like incredible inventions in no time. Yeah. Like Parker invented web shooters in one night. Dr. Doom creates a device to communicate telepathically with spiders in an afternoon. It doesn't really matter what your field is. Like if you're like uh, a chemist, you can still build machines. Like you can kind of do anything. I guess to the guys making comics, just the ability to be good at science is such a wonder, wondrous, amazing thing that they assume being good at science means you can invent anything anytime you want. Yeah. I mean, all the villains have the ability to invent such amazing devices. They could all be rich. <laughs> And radiation isn't dangerous. It just turns you into a superhero. Yeah. So really, science is the big hidden hero of early 60s Marvel comics. All right, so Spider-Man takes the bait, goes to Dr. Doom's headquarters. Yeah, and this is a pretty well-drawn page. Spider-Man's uh, traveling to Dr. Doom, flying over the city. I think it's great. Shows oh, yeah. up at Dr. Doom's uh New York lair, I guess. Everybody's in New York City in the Marvel Universe. It's the only city worth being a superhero in. Um, Spidey shows up and they have a, they have a conversation about yeah, him yeah. joining up. They they kind of sit and talk to each other, which looks so funny. Yeah. Spider-Man sitting and scratching his chin while Dr. Doom is standing there with his hands on his hips like an impatient mom. <laughs> Dr. Doom is sort of like wagging his finger while he's explaining his plan, though, thinking about killing Spider-Man at the same time. <laughs> Yes, uh, this dialogue is so great You're an outcast, the same as I You dare not reveal your true identity And yet right under your nose, the Fantastic Four Bask in the limelight while you are shunned And hunted, but then he's thinking Something even worse Yeah, I'll appeal to a sense of envy Of pride Then once he has served his purpose I'll destroy him without a second thought <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's no, Doctor- n- there's no <laughs> need to destroy Spider. In this theory, like Spider-Man helped you kill the Fantastic Four Spider-Man doesn't want anything You don't. He hasn't asked for anything Let him live Doom, Doom just loves being evil yeah. uh, So Spider-Man thinks about it for one panel But then he says, nah, I can't do it, I'm a good guy Forget it, we're enemies Spider-Man thinking about it is really funny too to me Just like, hmm, me team up with you, huh? Man, wouldn't that be a gasser Jonah Jameson would really have something to howl about then Doom wants to seal the deal immediately Ah, so you will do it, speak, give me your word <laughs> uh, And then Spider-Man rejects him immediately <laughs> Uh, yeah, not-so-fast tinhead, sure, it's an amusing thought to k- kick around, but just between us, I need you like I need another nose. The answer is no, Buster. Spider-Man doesn't really say no to being evil. He just says, I don't want to be partners with Dr. Doom. Yeah, Spider's, Spider-Man's very pragmatic. He's he's not a hero guaranteed in any yeah. situation. What You know, is there money in this villain gig? But Doom, with Doom, you either get married or you're his enemy. Uh, I warn you, if you were not with me, then we are deadly foes. Right. So Spider-Man covers him in a pile of webbing, uh, but it doesn't work. It doesn't do anything because Doom uh, had been communicating with him via a Doom robot. Yeah, we move into a quick fight. There's And Dr. Doom immediately starts pulling out some great Dr. Doom tricks. There's a Dr. Doom robot. There's a trap door beneath Spider-Man's feet that he didn't see. Yep. Uh, he's got little finger lasers that Dr. Doom can shoot out of his uh, armor. Yep. Uh, so Spider-Man does the heroic thing and jumps out a window and runs away. Yeah, I mean, there's no need to fight this guy. He technically hasn't done anything wrong in this issue. That's right. So Spider-Man just sort of escapes. But then he is going to go back and finish him off. But Doom blows up the building and runs away. That's a good That's a good getaway technique. If you're trying to escape something, blow up the entire building you're in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, in In Marvel... Uh, New York City, whole buildings explode all the time. Yeah, if you were walking down the street and the building next to you exploded, you wouldn't blink. Um, You'd just be like, that's another day in Marvel's New York City. So Spidey can't get doomed right now. He gets into his Peter Parker outfit, goes to J. Jonah Jameson probably to sell some pictures. Uh, oh, yeah, he takes some pictures of the building blowing up. Uh, this is where we find out that Betty Brant, J. Jonah Jameson's secretary, is kind of sweet on Peter. Yeah. Uh, she says, uh, I think Parker, so, uh, Peter Parker's talking about basically defending Spider-Man to Jay Jonah. He's against Spider-Man with his friends, but defending Jonah, uh, spend defending Spider-Man to Jonah and Betty Brant thinks, or says, I guess, I think Parker's right, sir. I've heard some of our readers mention that they think you're jealous of Spider-Man for some reason. So Jay Jonah Jameson employees aren't afraid to speak their mind. They let him know what he's thinking, yeah, yeah. what they're thinking. Um, immediately. Peter Parker falls in love with Betty because she complimented him. <laughs> Yeah. I never realized how pretty Betty Brant was either until now. Yeah, until Characters offended me. When you only have like 22 pages, you don't have time for deliberating things. You just have to immediately switch your emotions as the story needs. Yeah. I never thought about you. Now I'm in love with you. Um, so now we cut to like what my favorite part of the story is, which is Peter Parker's classmates plan a prank. Yeah, I think this is the best part of the, this story. This is very funny. I, I I like to imagine this is a Stan Lee idea. Whenever something funny happens, I assume that Stan Lee thought of it. And whenever something very dramatic and dark happens, I assume it's a Steve Ditko idea. But I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So they have this, since Spider since Peter Parker was sort of pretending to be anti-Spider-Man, they've come up with the greatest prank ever, which is that Flash Thompson will dress up as Spider-Man and then, I guess, walk up to Peter Parker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Peter Parker. Since Peter Parker has said he doesn't like Spider-Man, Flash is going to dress as him, and that is the greatest prank ever. Yeah, but they, they, uh, in they, a, they say you're a genius, Flash. For the <laughs> Flash. you're a genius. <laughs> um. So, but unfortunately for Flash, Doctor Doom has come up with a device that can allow him to to physically find the real Spider-Man based on some sort of spider genetics. Yeah. So he'll be able to find Spider-Man in or out of costume. This is one of those devices that even though it doesn't work in this issue, you have to wonder why he didn't use it any other time. And he or- it so easily. Why didn't no one else build this? Yes. Um, There's no reason Peter Parker's identity should be safe now. You can detect him With some sort of gizmo. Yeah, So, uh, but this leads to a great sequence where Doom is trying to find Spider-Man. And so the device works, and it brings Doom right to Peter Parker. But unfortunately, Peter Parker's walking next to a fence. And then the other side of that fence, Flash Thompson is dressed as Spider-Man. And so Doom sees Flash Thompson in his Spider-Man outfit and says, Great, there's Spider-Man. Gases him and captures him, all without Parker seeing. And it's truly funny. I love this (laughs) sequence. I mean, he takes... Technically landed a helicopter on the side of the fence, (laughs) cast Flash Thompson, carried them all. Peter Parker is inches away. Now, Peter Parker has a spider sense that like he's used it to like detect the presence of villains while swinging over whole neighborhoods. Yeah. But Dr. Doom was on the other side of the fence and Peter Parker the spider sense doesn't go off at all. I guess because he's not in, he's not a danger to Spider-Man at this moment. Yeah. And I guess also like Dr. Doom must turn off his spider detecting device because he carries off Flash Thompson and never notices that this guy does not register on his Spider-Man detector. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But we have the, now we have the fun situation of doom has captured Flash Thompson. Um, Parker and then Doom takes over a television station and tells the whole world, I've got Spider-Man. So Peter Parker sitting at home with his Aunt May sees it and realizes that that's not him. There's some other person either pretending to be Spider-Man or being mistaken for Spider-Man that Doom has captured. Yeah. Um. So and Dr. Doom's, I guess, plan is he's going to kill Spider-Man unless the Fantastic Four show up. And yeah, he's really disbanded. He doesn't want them to even show up. He just wants them to like, all right, we're done. That's a weird <laughs> request. Yeah, um, Doom Doom swings big. <laughs> Doctor Doom doesn't go for little goals. Yeah. Um, It'd be so funny to have a villain go on TV and just make just a huge, huge demand like that. I demand the, that the United States of America split up. Yeah. He's not asking for money or rule or power. He just wants this group of superheroes to, like, stop working together. I guess they could go solo. He'd be okay with that, yeah, according to that. he's debate. totally fine with them being heroes, just not together. That's annoying. Parker, Peter Parker thinks for a moment that he should just... Oh, so then um, the high school kids, for some reason, call Peter Parker to ask his advice. Yeah, they've they've lost Flash Thompson, who had (laughs) last they knew was going to prank Peter Parker. So they call Peter Parker to talk about it. It makes no sense. Yeah, they say Flash is missing. Uh, He was in a Spider-Man costume because he was dot, dot, dot going to play a joke on somebody. (laughs) And Peter's the only one picked on in the entire school. The school is the, the the high school kids have changed. They've gone from just being abusive to him to being obsessed with him. Yeah. Like they they're going to prank him. They want his advice when Flash is missing. Yeah. They, um, they basically this was written just so Peter Parker knows that it's Flash Thompson that Dr. Doom is captured. Right. He thinks for a moment that he should just leave Flash Thompson in Dr. Doom's grasp. I guess also the <laughs> teens missed the television broadcast. Yeah. Or they wouldn't have needed to call Peter. They'd know what was up. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's true. They weren't watching television. Um, um, but but Peter Parker, yeah, thinks about it. Uh, <laughs> Peter Parker thinks, he's got like an evil smile and he goes, what a break for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The FF the will FF never will, agree to Doom's terms, so all I have to do is keep out of it, and Flash Thompson will never bother Peter Parker again. Things yeah, are he's finally like, going my way. Yeah, Flash Thompson could be killed, and I don't even have to do anything. <laughs> so easy. This bully that was going to play a prank on me is now been captured by the worst villain in the world. Um, good news. But but Parker's Parker's turning good here. He's be, he we're seeing Peter Parker evolve into a real hero. So he realizes, no, I got to save Flash Thompson. Yeah. So. But then for some reason, he needs to contrive a reason to leave the house. Aunt May is too nervous to let him leave with Dr. Doom and Spider-Man out there. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't it crazy? Aunt Aunt May being scared of Spider-Man is so funny, like so legit funny. Yeah, when Aunt May hears that Spider-Man is captured, her response is, thank heavens his prisoner is only Spider-Man, who is probably as much of a menace as Dr. Doom. That's his aunt. She, she's the biggest Fox News fan of the of anybody in comics. She believes everything J. Jonah Jameson says. I mean, why would that man lie? And uh, so Parker goes down to the basement, pulls out a fuse, sent plunging the house into darkness, and so he has to go out to the hardware store. So this lets him sneak out. Never mind that he could probably just go to his room and shut the door and like jump out the window. She's done many times. But yeah. He's got this whole so thing. He the- goes to fight Doctor Doom while leaving his aunt in the dark. He could die. He could die and she'd have no power and have no nephew. Um, So Peter Parker goes swinging over the city. I love these shots of uh, Spider Man swinging over New York City. Like Steve Ditko really shines. Even in this kind of subpar issue, these things look so beautiful. Yeah. And uh, you can definitely tell that Stan Lee is just putting extra dialogue in because one of these buildings is drawn. Was it just a giant telephone on the roof? Uh, Yeah, and so Spider-Man just comments on it. The telephone company installation is below me, but I don't sense any hostile presence down there. Yeah, he says that out loud. I don't know why he's even commenting on it. But I think just because it's such an interesting part of the drawing, Stan Lee's like, gotta say something about it. Yeah, and Stan's not going to leave a panel with no dialogue. He's going to, you know, uh, Stan Lee comics are 30% dialogue also this issue has an interesting caption we're 12 pages in and i think stan lee doesn't love this issue either because his caption says let's face it you've struggled through one of the longest introductions you've ever read but we think you'll find it well worth it because now the fireworks begin in earnest yeah he kind of calls out that it's like this is a lot of setup <laughs> yeah this has been a, a lot of moving pieces to get flash Thompson captured by dr doom and spider-man going to the rescue I mean, when you're writing dialogue for like 10 comics a week, you're going to start to feel absurd as you do it and yeah. make some jokes about it. I think it. you got to page 12 and he's like, I can't turn around and fix this. I'm just going to talk Just about comment it, on yeah. it and keep going. Um, but we do get into a pretty good fight here. Uh, Spider-Man gets into Doom. Spider-Man finds Dr. Doom, slides down a air vent of some kind, shines his useless Spidey flashlight to announce his presence, and then begins to fight Dr. Doom. Yeah takes away the element of surprise immediately and then fight um, it's a very web based fight too yeah so you know dr doom is in full armor he's got like lots of gizmos like lasers and doubles of himself and lots of machines so spidey's relying on his web to make like shields and distractions and stuff that's right uh and it's pretty cool it's a pretty cool little uh, fight we got going here yeah, he, like, jams up his finger gun. He throws, like, web balls at him. It just seemed, like, annoying more than painful. Um, um, Dr. Dr. Doom has a weird random device of a bunch of balls that spin through the air and I guess could hit you? Yeah, it's, I don't quite know what it is, but Dr. Doom's very proud of it. He says, uh, I've been waiting to test out this little device for days now. And it's just like a little magnet machine that spins balls around at it. Spidey has to dodge them, but then he's able to web up the work so that it stops working. Yeah. Then the floor catches on fire and he has to like flip up the wall to the ceiling. Yep. And the floor is electric. So when he lands on it, he's being electrocuted. I just realized something. Doom blew up his old building not long ago. so He must have installed all of this stuff like in the last couple of days. Or he's had multiple bases. I mean, Dr. He, Doom might have multiple he never bases. see. You only see robots working for Dr. Doom, so those robots have to be pretty skilled laborers. Yeah, uh, I think he did a lot of this on his own. Just in the field of artificial intelligence, if Dr. Doom turned to good, he could he could be like the Steve Jobs of 1963. <laughs> he really missed out. He could have made the first uh, personal home computer. Um, okay, so a bunch of Doom robots attack Spidey. Uh, there's electrical bolts. So there's a disintegrator um, ray. Spidey's head is almost put into the disintegrator ray, but he's able to overcome his – you know, he's so strong that he can overcome that. Then he's blinded and he has to rely only on his radar to fight Dr. Doom. His spider sense. Uh, his spider sense, yep. And then uh, he trips on one of the metal balls from earlier. That's sort of a, yeah. uh, a sad end of this fight. Yeah. Even sadder is um, he doesn't really defeat Doom – The Fantastic Four show up. Yeah, the the Fantastic Four have been all this time making their plan with how to rescue Spider-Man and have now shown up. And when Doctor Doom sees them, he's terrified. (laughs) (laughs) He runs away. Blast the luck. Another few seconds and I'd have finished off Spider-Man forever. Well, at least I've prepared a getaway exit for myself. As for Spider-Man, he can always wait. There's another day. And that's the end of the fight. Yeah, and then Spider-Man sees the Fantastic Four showing up. But he has to leave because he just remembers Aunt May's been in the dark all this time. So he doesn't even rescue Flash Thompson. I guess since Doom's gone, he's like Flash will figure his own way out. And the Fantastic Four are coming. Fantastic Four rescue Flash Thompson. He's terrified. He's I a mean, blubbering the idiot. The Thing gets ready to punch uh, this fake Spider-Man immediately. The Thing is like yeah. the second strongest superhero ever after the Hulk. And he's going to punch this yeah. like human. Yeah, you mean we went to all this trouble for a nobody? How about me leaning on him just a little? Things like a Lower East Side tough. Yeah, luckily the Invisible Girl's there to say, put him down, Ben. The poor boy looks terrified. It will be years before there's a female character with a real point of view, unfortunately. Maybe that's not true, but at least in Spider-Man and Fantastic Four, that's true. Yeah, it takes a little bit. I mean, the Avengers too. The Wasp takes a while to develop. I think some of the female characters in Thor are pretty good because they're goddesses. Yeah, I haven't. Um, I haven't read enough of Thor to know. I hope. No. I hope Sif and uh, uh, at least the villains like he- Hela and enchantress aren't wearing yeah. wigs and going to the mall a lot. I think. I think they're waging war and and uh, <laughs> scheming. Good for them. Okay, so uh, everything is happy ending. Flash is safe. Peter Parker returns home to the dark. He forgot to buy the views, so they're still in the dark at the end of the issue. Um, that's pretty funny. Uh, Parker um, doesn't have any photos, so Jameson's mad at him. But Betty Brant confesses that she thinks Peter's wonderful. Yeah, think so we're getting a little wonderful. love interest. Yeah, and then uh, P- yeah, and, Peter thinks, gosh, I never realized that Betty felt that way about me. As a matter of fact, I never realized how I felt about her either. Hmm. Uh, Peter Parker does pretty well with girls. Like, we're gonna move into a phase pretty soon where Liz Allen, hit the his classmate at high school, has a crush on him. Betty Brandt has a crush on him at work. Yeah. Uh, girl, girls like Peter. And then once he starts dating Gwen Stacy, there's Mary Jane, and they're both like beautiful and f- sort of fight over him a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I mean, um, good for him. Uh, this is the comic that is the you know the fantasy for. 11 and 12 year old boys reading comics in the 60s. And so what's not explained in this comic, I think ever and other comics have tried to explain it is like he's working at a newspaper. How old would Betty Brant be to be a secretary and how old is Peter yeah. Parker? It's a creep. It could be a very creepy relationship. I think it's later justified that she is. Very young, she dropped out of school to work for J. Jonah Jameson. I've, I've always assumed that because it's the early 60s that like not everybody goes to college and sometimes you get out of high school and you just get a job and she could easily be 19 and that wouldn't be a weird thing yeah. in that world. And, you know, and if Parker's 17 and she's 19, it's not so crazy. But it does seem weird to have the editor of the paper have a 19-year-old secretary. That's true. Yeah, he should have somebody more seasoned if he's like the head of this. He's got a magazine. He's got a newspaper. He buys shows on television. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's but true. She's not. She's rough. She's barely older than Peter. She likes Peter. Uh, Peter's going back to high school to see how Flash is embarrassed about being captured, but he's lying to everybody and bragging that he was totally brave and awesome. Yep. Uh, Liz Allen, uh, why so gloomy looking, Peter? Although I suppose I wouldn't blame you for being jealous of a real He-Man like Flash. And then Parker's last line is very classic Stan Lee dialogue. I might as well face it. I got nothing but luck and it's all bad. Yeah, I feel like that's a thing Peter says a lot. That like uh, the Parker luck is another thing he often refers to, which is bad luck. Yep, uh, I like that last panel a lot too. Uh, it's Ditko beautiful. Yeah, comes to life drawing the teens. Yeah, this is a subpar issue overall, but the art is still always good, and there's a couple of good Ditko panels in here. All right, so that's that's the issue. Um, let's go on to give out our, our awards. So this would you would say this is another segment? Well, this is another segment. Yeah, we've moved on to segment number four. Is this? Yeah, I think. Yeah, this is segment four. All the awards. Oh, are man. Segment four. If the What's a Creative guys listen to this episode, they're going to be so psyched. There's going to be like four segments? Wow. (laughs) So, um, all right. What's your best panel? Uh, My best panel. So, again, even though I think Ditko does a good job, none of these panels leapt out to me like the last few issues. Um, Right. But the action with Dr. Doom and that big fight was pretty well drawn. I really like there's a sequence where the floor catches on fire. And Spider-Man has to sort of backflip up onto the wall and then flips from there onto his feet. And then it's sort of like a very broken, you don't see it a lot where you see Spider-Man's each tiny movement to how he gets out of a trap is usually just like one big leap. And so it's a very cool sequence. And the second panel in particular, I think looks really beautiful where he goes from his hands to his feet um, on the wall. It's hard to describe, but I'll post it on our Instagram account. Screw it, Spidey which is our Instagram account, I'll post that panel there and you can see it and then you can tell me I'm right. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to change mine. Uh, I had one written down. I'm going to change it. My favorite one is page 12, panel 4, Spidey swinging over that telephone building. Yeah, I thought about that too. The building looks really great and the swinging over is great. I feel like I could always just pick him swinging over a thing. I was a kid, man. I just loved all the drawings of New York City and Spidey swinging over it. So I I get a special place in my heart for... I mean, I'd even say page 9 where we see Flash Thompson putting on the Spider-Man costume on one side of the fence and Peter walk on the other, it's I thought about that one too. It's a Tommy panel, but it is great. It's so funny. Um, all right, so those. Well, I'm I'm gonna stick with page twelve panel for the telephone building. I'm sticking with What's my your flip. Fa- uh, it's a good flip. I think that was a, that's a good one. What's your favorite Stanley dialogue? Uh, so my favorite Stanley dialogue is also amongst the fight. It's when the machine that spins balls comes out. <laughs> the one that uh, Doctor Doom has been uh, uh, eager to test out. Yeah. Spider Man's reaction is iron globes revolving at great speed around a magnetic core, which is a great response. And he goes, You sure yeah. have some interesting hobbies, Doc. And he identified uh, what that was immediately, but it's just a Stanley exposition reaction. Uh, all scientists just drew that. And Stanley's yeah. like, What is this? <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the Marvel Universe, anybody with any science ability can instantly figure out what all the other scientists are doing. Um, okay. My favorite Stanley dialogue is page 17, panel one, Dr. Doom thanks to him says out loud, naturally no one can match the thinking ability of Dr. Doom. <laughs> yeah. The thinking ability he had there was Spider-Man forgot about a robot. <laughs> uh, I also just, love, I forgot how much Dr. Doom, uh, like talks about himself in the third person. Yeah. Like just refers to himself out loud as Dr. Doom. I love it. Yeah. He makes it seem natural. Uh, Dr. Doom is sort of dumb in this issue overall. Um, What's your highlight? My highlight is uh, I think I like the idea that Doom wanted to recruit Spider-Man, even though it's sort of silly. I like the idea that he buys into Spider-Man. Like most of the time, the only person who treats Spider-Man like a villain is J. Jonah Jameson and random passerbyers who will point at him and be like, you robbed that place. The police generally believe in him. The superheroes usually believe in him. I like the idea that a supervillain is like, maybe this guy is a bad guy. I'll work with him. Yeah, it's cool kind life. of an innovative idea. My highlight is Flash Thompson getting captured. I think that's so legit hilarious. Yeah, uh, I think that's a really funny very idea. It's elaborate, but it's, uh, it, is, it is the most fun from this issue is Flash. What's your low light? Uh, my low light is definitely Peter Parker <laughs> leaving Aunt May in the dark. <laughs> it's, such a, it's a terrible plan. It's mean. it's mean he leaves his elderly aunt without power <laughs> to go die maybe he's fighting like one of the most powerful super villains in the world yeah he's leaving his aunt may in the dark it's and then he goes home and he's they stay in the dark and he's who knows how long he's gone i'm guessing like an hour and he doesn't come back with the fuse and it's just like he claims like he uh he claims he got too nervous on the street, so he didn't go to the hardware store. But he also didn't go home right away. The whole yeah. thing is just Peter <laughs> is not treating his aunt well. His widowed, recently widowed aunt. Yeah, um, good point. Uh, I think that's better than My Low Light. But My Low Light is a very quick moment where J. Jonah Jameson admits to Betty Brant and Peter that he hit, that he's that he doesn't really hate Spider Man as much as he as uh, that it's just good publicity. That like when he rails against Spider-Man, it brings the ratings up and he makes more money. I kinda don't like that. I like him being truly angry at Spider-Man. Yeah, and I don't know if they stick to that motive in the future either. Yeah. Um now we're gonna move on to this next that's the end of our awards segment. We're We're gonna go thank you. Yeah, good segment, Kevin. This next segment is a preliminary probationary segment. We might not stick with it, but I want to try it out. Yeah. And that's personal memories. Okay. I feel like since we have loved Spider-Man our whole lives we should have a segment where we just mention some kind of personal memory of our relationship to Spider-Man and it could either be related to this issue or I'll take any personal memory. We just have to do one an episode just, unless we give up on this segment. Does it have to be Spider-Man related? Yeah, Spider Spider-Man or at least comics related. Okay. So I'll I'll give you one, okay? Um and it's one related to you and me which we won't we won't always have sure. but I at some time when I was either in high school or college, we were bored, and we, we got out a cassette recorder, and I wish I still had this tape, and we just read uh, Spider-Man or Fantastic Four comics out loud, and we took turns reading the dialogue. And it was mostly because we loved Dr. Doom's dialogue so much. It was so funny. Yeah, I vaguely and, remember that. I don't remember what issues it was that we read. I think it might have been this issue. That's why I'm, I'm not 100% sure of that. But I, I'm bringing that up because of that. I, I believe – because I remember reading the Dr. Doom dialogue and just laughing so much at like how crazy it was. And I would like to say that we were kids when we did this because it sounds like something that like 10 and 5-year-olds should do. But I think that I was 20 years old and you were 15 years yeah. old when we did this. Um, and that <laughs> sounds more accurate uh, to our <laughs> maturity levels. <laughs> Yeah. Um, do you have any, uh, anyone that you, I'm throwing this, this segment, I'm yeah. springing on you. Um, I don't have anything that jumps out to me about this issue in particular um, or or even related to it, unfortunately. So I'm going to pass on this. Uh, okay. Well, just be memory. ready. We're going to try this segment out for a couple episodes. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. I don't know if we always both need one. If one of us has one, I feel like we've, we've connected with it. I mean, for us being emotionally repressed people, just one personal memory amongst the two of us is a huge accomplishment. I mean, there was that time I dressed up as Spider-Man and got captured by a a despot, but I don't think that. I don't see, I don't see how that relates. I don't see how that relates. All right. Final segment is the recommendation segment where we recommend comics and these can be any comics at all. Something you're reading now or uh, older ones, and you're definitely going to be at an advantage here because you still read tons of comics and I basically don't really read comics anymore. That's right. Uh, I mean, I do now and then I do now and then like you'll recommend something or, or, you know, I like, I read the vision miniseries that happened last year that was yeah. published in trades. Uh, doing, um, you know, the same guy's doing a Mr. Miracle one right now and it's really good. Ooh, exciting. Uh, but that's not a so, recommendation. Um, that's a free recommendation. But, um, but I'll still make a recommendation every episode, and but yours are going to be way more informed than uh, okay. than mine. But uh, so why don't why don't you go first? Sure. Um, the one that jumps to mind right now is a comic. It's coming out from Dark Horse. It's called Black Hammer. Okay, uh, it, I'm, I'm picking this one because it's it's superhero ten gentle, I would say. Okay. Uh, it's by Jeff Lemire, who's a really great writer. He's also a great artist, so he does not draw this comic. It's drawn by a guy named Dean Ormston, who I think did some Sandman, definitely did a lot of Lucifer uh, comics, okay. if, you, if you've read those. Okay. And uh, the uh-huh. premise of Black Hammer is that these sort of golden age superheroes or silver age superheroes uh, were fighting like the ultimate bad guy defeated him, but somehow got captured in this sort of small town, uh, sort of like a pocket universe where they're in this small town where they're just normal people and there's no, they can't leave the town. They don't know what's going on. They've been here forever. They don't know if the world exists outside this town. They don't know what's going on. And it's a very interesting, uh, a weird world. And it's also like the idea of these superheroes just sort of having to like live normal lives is very fun. Um, and it's great. Sounds cool. Jeff Lemire is a great writer. It just had, I think, I think it just took a break. It went like 12 or 13 issues. And then stopped, and it's going to start up again in the new year. Uh, and it's just it's just great. Uh, some of the stuff in here has been done by other writers. Uh, like, there's an idea of a superhero that doesn't age. She, like, mm-hmm. her power is to turn into, like, a young girl with superpowers. But she's gotten older, but she can't turn yeah. back into her older self. So she's trapped in this, like, unaging child's body, but she's an adult woman who doesn't want to be a child nope. anymore. So she's bothered okay. by that. And um, like, there's one guy who's an alien shapeshifter and he sort of stuck now looking human all the time because there's no reason to be an alien. And it's sort of them sort of dealing with that aspect of it. And it's a, uh, it's just intriguing. Jeff Lemire just is a great writer and Dean Ormston, I think is a really great artist. He draws really creepy um, art. That's just a little bit off black hammer. Um, you can buy it definitely on Comixology. You can get it digitally. You can buy it in comic form. It's pretty recent. All right. Great recommendation. Uh, mine's going to be, of course, an older one because I'm not reading too many comics these days. And I figure for my first recommendation, I'm going to recommend my uh, one of my favorite comics of all time, which is Love and Rockets comic books. I didn't know you liked Love and Rockets. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> This is a comic that I've been obsessed with for a long time. Kevin knows. Even uh, when I was in high school, I loved this comic. And Kevin would often buy me uh, trades of it for Christmases and birthdays and such like that. Um, but uh, So my recommendation is going to be... So l- let me just explain. Love and Rockets, you, you maybe as a fan have heard of Love and Rockets, but you probably haven't read it. That's very common. Uh, or maybe you haven't even heard of it. But um, because... Love and Rockets are done by two guys named Gilbert and Jaime Hernandez. They're Mexican-American guys. They're from Oxnard, California, which is actually just north of where I live now. And um, they've been doing this comic since 1982 and various permutations of it. It's like changed titles and changed format. But they've pretty much been drawing their characters un- interrupted since 1982 so there's a massive amount of material so much that most people are like "Ugh, I can't be bothered to get into the love and rockets universe it's like too big uh that's that's one of the reasons why people don't dive into it but um I've I've always loved it I I got into it when I was in high school which is the late 80s and it was pretty new then and uh, uh and I and I love them and I guess what I want to say in terms of recommending them is that they've always been very ahead of the curve in terms of the types of stories that they do. Like when they first came out, they were these two Mexican-American kids who had grown up reading all kinds of comics, superhero comics, Robert Crumb kind of stoner comics, Mad Magazine stuff, Archie, Dennis the Menace. Um, they had a wide variety of influences and they just threw it all in the pot when they made a comic. They would have like superheroes and love stories and stoner stuff and sex things because they were Mexican-American. They had like a lot of Latino characters. And in, the, in like 1987, when I started reading it, this was very progressive. You know, this was long before comics started to get like politically aware of like non-white stories. But Love and Rockets had like tons of like Mexican folk tales and – homosexual characters and it was rad um and over the years they've continued to evolve and so their story their stories are crazy like they're very like innovative and challenging but i love them so i would say um pick up any love and rockets comics that you like if i had to pick one they have a trade paperback called flies on the ceiling and i think that's a great intro to the series that's mine uh yeah i mean i've read not nearly as much Love and Rockets as you have, but I've liked a lot of it, uh, especially yeah. some of the not uh, earliest, earliest stuff, but like sort of just after that, I think is really yeah. a, is a great run. Yeah, some I agree the, the late 80s, early 90s, they hit a groove. They they actually they almost got really big. Like there was a moment where Love and Rockets almost exploded onto the national scene, but they they didn't quite make it and they sort of stayed a cult favorite. I mean, comics is a tough. Uh, tough, yeah. It's a tough medium to become famous. With. One of my one of my dream guests for this podcast would be Jaime Hernandez. One of the two guys who does Love and Rockets. He's a beautiful. His illustrations are so beautiful, and he's a huge Steve Ditko fan. He often draws like little homages to old Steve Ditko comics. So if we get him on, that would be yeah, great. I think it'd be great to have an artist on, just because that's a uh, mindset that you and I don't really have, even though we really. Oh appreciate yeah, get a real. It'd be great to yeah. have someone who knew what they were talking about. I would absolutely love to get a real comics artist to say what they think about Steve Ditko's art. Good or bad? I'd be interested to know whatever, whatever they thought. Oh, it would be great to have someone on who ripped it apart, hated it. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. I think that's the end of our episode, Kevin. Yeah. Um, remember that we have a Twitter and Instagram account, uh, Screw It yes. Spidey. I bring that up because oh, we, I, I'm posting a lot of photos on there of the issues. Uh, so if you listen to this podcast, you can go on there find the uh, appropriate issues, and look at all the images. I'm posting definitely our favorite panels, but also other things that I feel yeah. like we dwelled on. Oh, it's great. The Instagram account is so great. If you, if you like this podcast at all, I heartily recommend you look at our Instagram account, Screw It, Spidey. There's great shots of the art we talk about. Kevin's doing a great job of pulling some really cool stuff. Yeah, and if you, you're not on Instagram, I'm trying to re- put it all on Twitter, too. It's all reposting on Twitter. definitely looks I mean, Instagram is built for just showing images, so that's the place to yeah. go. Um, we also can get emails at that address, screwitspidey at gmail.com, if you have some reason that you want to uh, email us. Yeah, that'd be great. And um, if you are a Spider-Man podcast, uh, tweet at us, and we'll we'll give you a listen. We like being part of this community, so let us know if you're doing a Spider-Man podcast if, also. If you're doing a Spider-Man podcast about the Ditko issues in particular, or really any of yeah. them, let us know. Um, yeah. Uh, and um, yeah, it's fun. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. such great comics. I think every every podcast should really be about Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, I think that's it for this episode. So next issue, we do Amazing Spider Man number six, which is the Lizard. Yeah. I think first appearance of the Lizard, uh, who's sort oh, of a, a tragic villain. Great story. Yeah. Um, okay, so we'll see you guys next episode. Bye, everyone. Bye. Screw it. Screw it. We're just, just gonna talk about, about Spider Man.